Mania Michael Yorba, thanks for joining with us. All right, I have got Bridget Kimichek and J.R. Tomlinson with me today. These ladies are going to be able to walk us through all the do's, the don'ts, and uh, again, it's all right here in the book so that they can make sure that everybody stays on the right side and bring, bring some insights. All right, Bridget, J.R., thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks having, for having us. All right. Give me some background on you, and then I want to hear some background on you about how you came together, what you did previous to this, and then let's walk through the book and some of the topics that I've got to talk to you about, okay? Okay. All right. So I retired about five years ago now. I was a partner at a uh, bigger law firm, I guess, in Dallas, uh, and then also a partner in my previous job, so I've been a lawyer for 30 plus years. So in being in a male-dominated environment, the topic has been constant throughout our careers. So um, about 20-some years ago, I met JR, and we uh, became fast friends. And whenever we went out, we would talk about the subject and other obstacles that women face in a male-dominated environment. And um, that's how we kind of came about someday we would write about it and and really share our thoughts on how to deal with sexual harassment in the workplace because we both have worked with quite a few men and we believe as jar will say they helped our careers so that was pretty important so no matter what's going on today um, it's very important to be focused on where you work who your bosses are who your colleagues are and you have to learn how to how to be part of of that environment if you if you plan on succeeding it does help you so we address some of that in the book okay JR what about you I have been like like Bridget a male dominated industry as I was a stockbroker when I first got out of college and then went into corporate real estate so I still work in commercial real estate two very male dominated yes very male dominated and I I do office and industrial real estate so there's still probably five percent women that do industrial real estate across the US so, but yeah. And I was a commercial real estate finance lawyer, so that's how I, yep. JR was a client, so we were yes. Is that how you did that? Yes, how we, yes, we met that's at a luncheon, and I needed an attorney to review my corporate documents for my clients, and so I And she, she got some resistance initially, yes. because, I mean, you want to tell the story. You <laughs> I got, tell the story, go I got resistance because one of the male brokers I was working with on a project found out it was a woman attorney that was working on this large industrial uh, lease review. And he pretty much came to me and said, well, you know, only men lawyers can work on the large uh, real estate transactions. And I said, well, it's a little too late. I've already, they've already interviewed and hired this woman. And he was shocked. So, But I, but when he told me that, my mouth kind of dropped. I'm like, <laughs> you didn't just say that, did you? <laughs> wow, and this is like not that far no, in the past. No, no, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. All right. I would have never flown in New York, Chicago, or L.A., but here in the South, I can see that some of the, you know, mm-hmm. some of the old customs die hard here. So I can imagine some of the 
the walls you've had to climb, the barriers you've had to break through. Okay, please. Um, I want to talk about the impact of sexual harassment on the financial bottom line. That's one mm -hmm. of the things you cover in the book. Let's let's break that out because that's really what's going to turn the page. As far as I'm concerned, mm -hmm. it's not consideration for the opposite sex. It's not being politically correct. It's how it's affecting the bottom line. It's really where you're going to hit men, as they say, in the breadbasket. Mm -hmm. And that's true. We we thought long and hard, how do we focus um, our attention on things that will get men to become more engaged in the subject matter? So one of them, of course, is the bottom line. And it's interesting, there's not much out there in terms of, of statistics um, or even uh, reviews of how that might have impacted business. One of the oldest and one that is relied upon a lot is from 1988 and mm. there the ultimate outcome of that review was that your typical Fortune 500 company with 24,000 employees loses about 6.7 million a year and that was back in 1988. So. The way we would look at it is we um, divide up your smaller business and your larger business. And for a smaller business, if there's a culture of sexual harassment or even just one or two, it can devastate your productivity of, of the company. So you've got absenteeism, you've got health costs, you've got someone who's sick all the time, you've, you are impacting potentially morale, so then productivity is even more impacted. And if that person leaves or if it's not resolved to the satisfaction of the employees um, to improve the culture, then the reputational issues develop even outside the company. So then you've got financial partners that may say, you know what, this is too much trouble or they're on a, they're on a radar and they may get sued and we're not going to invest in this company. So it has some real impact. It does. And if it's a big lawsuit, it can kill you and you're done. So. There's no such thing as a small lawsuit when it comes to reputation. They're all huge. That's true. That's, that's mm -hmm. very impactful. And if you if you kind of take a step back and look at some of the business aspects that have come about um, with respect to the topic, go back to Fox News when they had their trouble with Roger Isles. Um, that was a huge impact ultimately um, on him and his career. And um, and then. Drawing a blank, no, and, the, um, well, and Bill O'Reilly, who of course uh, got tagged with with uh, several lawsuits, uh, which he, of course, says he's innocent. But ultimately, Fox had to fire him, yeah. let him go, mm -hmm. because they were losing valuable dollars, uh, and it was costing the company too much money. And within a nine-month period, they had spent 101 million just on sexual harassment-related matters at Fox. So they had to really regroup and rethink how they were going to hire going forward. There's there's another aspect to this. I want to bring it out in like an open discussion on this. Some of it can, can get to blowback, and I know that that's where um, it, it gets pushed too hard within a culture, and it, it reduces the amount of exposure that, if you will, the old guard would say, I really don't want to endure that kind of risk by hiring these these people that could later turn into a liability for the for the company. That also would reduce the the you know, drop the bottom line, not add to the bottom line. So how do you work with the cultures there to find the happy medium so that both sexes cannot feel threatened by the potential of sexual harassment, either the perpetrator or the recipient, the victim. Mm -hmm. Did you discuss any of that with some of the people that you work with? Oh yeah, 
Talk to me yeah, about that. Where, where do you go down that road? Well, as we say, you got to work together along each other to help with sexual harassment in the moment when it happens. And then also if you're a witness of it that and you're a bystander, that you've got to speak up at that moment. And you got to get engaged because you got to say something if, if you see something. And because that's how men become part of the solution and help it because men will listen to men. And just along what you were saying, just the, I think it's, and I, I don't want to say it's silly, but it's just, it's not mature to think, okay, I'm not going to hire women. I'm not going to. It's uh, just not realistic. No, it's or not have, realistic. Have I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to have lunch with them or I'm not going to socialize with them. Um, that's like, be, I'm because, straight, but I'll never marry one. That's not right. That's not going to work. Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some <laughs> rep- I won't say who it was, but a representative in Mississippi said, I won't, I won't communicate or talk to a woman unless it's my wife, and I certainly won't do it in the context of business, which you're taking, you're taking the, the, the women's causes to achieve success in the workplace a hundred years or more back, and, mm-hmm. you're, and you're not realizing which, which company owners should realize, and there's plenty of research out there, and we've covered it at length uh, in Play Nice, that women and men work best together and and it and it improves the productivity of the company to have women they have skills and assets that men just don't have and if they work together um, they're a wonderful complement and and we found exactly. that in our respective yes. careers to be the case how'd you come up with the title um, it's th- so it's planned to be part of a series so the whole play nice concept is um, let's let's take a step back and let's go back to the playground when we first learned how to interact with one another and let's be respectful and if you think back when you were a little kid there were rules to keep you more safe and to be um, to, to, to learn how to treat one another with with grace and respect and 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 love basically um, so that's what play nice is all about just just you need to Play nice. That's probably the easiest way to say it. That's a good way to say it. Now, you said uh, potential of a series. Talk to me about the plans for the business going forward. Well, we're, uh, the second series is going to, we're trying to do play smart. So play nice, play smart. So the next one's more about kind of focusing on how men and women, like she's, Bridget said, complement each other and can be an unbeatable team and work together to increase the bottom line of a corporation. I think it's mm-hmm. always more effective if you do have a man-woman team than two men or two women. Mm-hmm. It really is a, and a, a way to play the room, if you will, much right. better. And, and just to, just to mm-hmm. add to what JR was saying, um, when we were about to finish Play Nice, uh, it covered 20 more issues that we thought needed to be discussed for the workplace for men and women to be more productive. Uh, together and then the me too movement hit and we realized it it confirmed exactly what we've been thinking all along not much has changed with respect to human behavior and how to deal with what happens to you in the work environment it doesn't only affect women it affects men too and women can often be as horrible as men can be so we need to just so we decided you know what let's just extract that chapter and make it a book and talk about 
how we dealt with it when we were young and how we've how we still deal with it today because you'll be in an environment where someone says something that's so inappropriate and as and jr will say she'll laugh at him and she'll go oh my god i can't believe you just said that are you listening to yourself yeah, i'll and say did you just hear what you said i'll look at most it. of the time they don't <laughs> they don't and then they'll look at and a lot of times sometimes they'll say because they have daughters and i said well you have two daughters how would you respond well that's different i'm like no that's not different it's not different it's not. <laughs> and if you just open up someone's mind to thinking a little bit more broadly about the subject and what people say we found and in our discussions with senior management and men ceos and cfos they'll say oh my god i just didn't think we had an issue and and all of a sudden i'm seeing it everywhere i turn and but now i know how to handle it now i i think i know how, what to say and it's huge it's really important do you find that more women at, at this point since they have the support groups me too so on that they're, it's easier for them to come forward and be able to t- work through these issues than it would be for men who to come out and talk about those very same issues only when it's women being aggressive towards men or being inappropriate to men. Do you find that, that, that women, it's easier for women to talk about it these days than men? Well, we don't. Th- I mean, I don't think so. I think the whole big thing is like the reason why a lot of people said when Me Too came out mm-hmm. was why why are they talking about this now when it happened twenty years ago or fifteen? Why did it take so long? I have a woman, a friend of mine, that that, that that's one of her big points. He says, "Hey, you should have said it then." But the reason but that wasn't the culture. Yeah, and the, well, and the reason why we say it, it's fear. I mean, the simple thing is fear because people were afraid that a they wouldn't be believed, or if they went and told, they get retaliated, or worst case, they lose their job. Yeah. And, and that happens. And that hasn't changed. And that and has not changed. Or yes. blacklist, and they would not get hired again. Or they go ahead because it, the power imbalance with still with corporations and people is that there it goes back to the money. The the gentleman is maybe making more money for the company. So even though there may be a valid situation there, they basically push them out and keep the person that was the violator because they are big to their bottom line. And that's big with companies. And companies now, of course, are faced with many more Me Too type situations because people are now bolder and they can speak up. And if it's not just one person but a group, there's more strength in numbers. But for companies, it's it's hugely important to look at who you think is valuable to the company. And if you think that, that they, can, they can keep on doing what they've been doing, um, and affecting the culture and ultimately the bottom line of the company because it will come out and it will it'll be on the news it's a, if it's a big company and it will have a dramatic impact on the bottom line so now it's time to really deal with those issues and be transparent about how you deal with those issues and these these people whether men or women who are impacted by it they have they have worked so hard to be where they are, and they deserve to keep their job. And just because someone is um, seen to be valuable to the company doesn't mean that they always will be. And if you look at, I'll just say, Les Moonves for all the things that he he uh, went through with the company, and he lost his job. And and I read recently that at the time, CBS lost six percent of their shares, which translated to a, a billion four mm-hmm. in just a very short period of time. And then it turns out there were other women that had similar issues and they had reported it and it wasn't addressed. And 
and they maybe could have avoided some of that had they dealt with those issues all along when they when these women were coming forward but again he was very valuable to the company right mm -hmm. i get so. it ladies thanks for being a guest on today's show i look forward to the next book thanks for having thanks. us you're welcome all right you've been watching ceo money with michael yorba thanks for joining with us like us on facebook follow us on twitter and subscribe to our youtube channel